Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham. I'm a confidence and business mentor for women, and my intention is to help you clear out any mental or spiritual blocks that are keeping you from leading the most happy, fulfilling, successful life that you could possibly lead. This podcast is about activating our highest potential, healing in mind, body, and spirit, and above all, holding space for our humanity as we explore the depths of what it means to be human. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode. I'm so grateful that you're here. I hope you're having a gorgeous day wherever you are. We've got a beautiful conversation ahead of us. Uh, I've got Ash Alves on the podcast today. I reached out to Ash a couple months ago because I kept seeing her writing like swirling around on Pinterest, on Instagram, and something about her writer's voice and what she was saying just struck the most beautiful nerve within me and I felt so seen by her. And I knew that you all would love to hear more about her story. So Ash is a writer and she's written a couple books recently. One is A Warrior's Reminder, the other is A Highly Sensitive Warrior. Um, And her work really aims to guide us toward healing and self-actualization and expand our awareness essentially through these thought-provoking writings and workshops and books and coaching that she offers. Ash is driven by a utopian vision. I love that she says that for a world where transformative justice and healing both individually and collectively are guiding principles for which we operate life. So in this episode, we're talking about what it feels like to be a highly sensitive person and how to navigate the world with that heightened sensitivity, embodying the warrior archetype and what that really represents. And we really take a deep dive into coming out of dark nights of the soul, which you know, I'm sure all of us listening have been in the pit maybe once, maybe many times. And, you know, we really talk about what is required to lift ourselves out of that and the awareness and consciousness shift that we get to explore to bring ourselves back into alignment and to see hope. Because I think sometimes when we find ourselves in places of darkness, it can feel like there's not another side to that. Like life is just going to feel like that endless wheel of suffering. And what I love about Ash's work and what, you know, all of us as healers in this space are, are trying to do is, is to keep guiding us toward that light and to keep lifting our spirits. So Ash is certainly a warrior. She's wonderful. Check out her Instagram at Ash Alves underscore uh, as you listen and DM us with your biggest takeaways. And before we bring her in, I'll let you know that I'm hosting another full moon circle on December 26th, the day after Christmas. It's a Tuesday. It'll be a beautiful opportunity to recenter and reground yourself after the holiday craze if you're in the mix here. It'll just be 45 minutes coming together as community. I'll take you through a beautiful visualization journey. We'll talk about the cosmic alignments. We'll pull oracle cards. And then I'm going to take you through um, a fun burning ritual to really cleanse yourself of any energy from the last year. So I can't wait to see you in there. This is one of my intentions for the new year is to bring back more community offerings. This has been kind of a block of mine that I'm working through. um, And something that's feeling really expansive is to just be more consistent with that. So bless. Okay, my darlings, here we go into the episode. So Ash, the first question I love to ask people is, what does your heaven on earth look like? What does that look like for you? Mm. Oh, that's such a wonderful question. 
I guess for me, heaven on earth to me looks like being at peace with myself, really being, I was going to say okay with myself, but really just really being reassured in who I am and my purpose on earth. Really just walking every day with just a sense of self-knowing, um, knowing that I matter, that I'm important. I guess heaven on earth to me just looks like being surrounded by love and living in a world where love is the ethic by which we 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 operate life and organize systems. That's what heaven on earth looks like to me. I love that so much. And you know, when I've asked this question to even my my buddies or anybody in the past, even myself, it's interesting because the answer usually responds to the outside world. Like this is what my external reality looks like, you know, my morning routine, whatever, this is what I'm doing. But what I love about your response there is that it, you just described your internal state and experience of being seen, held in love, surrounded by love from the inside out, which is really beautiful and simple and profound at the same time. So thank you for that reminder, love. Um, so I will have given a little introduction uh, at the beginning of this episode about your, your life a little bit, but I'd love to know how you got to where you are now and what made you become a writer essentially and enter the healing space in this capacity. So take us on your journey in whatever way feels right. Yeah, so interesting. So I, just a little bit about me. So I'm from the UK. Uh, I'm I'm from Birmingham specifically. I grew up in a working class background. I was really interested in just the human experience growing up. So I was really interested and curious about like, just, I suppose, life in and of itself, like people's, just people's, ways of being I was really curious and I had kind of a a sixth sense almost and I kind of you know now growing up I see that as being my high high sensitivity just being very aware of people and their subtleties but I was very curious about the human psyche and I, I wouldn't have called it that before but I was always asking myself why do people do what they do but I didn't have a name to what I was interested in. I just knew that there was something a bit different about my experience in the world. I suppose growing up, I was just, I grew up in a, a background where people didn't really accomplish a lot. So I didn't really have those role models as to what, what does it look like to actually live in alignment with your purpose, with your calling, and to be, you know, be assured in who you are. I never really had those examples growing up. So I really had to search them. Um, in the best way possible outside of myself and I would say when I was in my early 20s I, I mean I went to university and I studied politics which was completely unrelated to what I was doing what I'm doing now but I see where there's crossovers because I've been always been interested in like how can we make the world better and I thought maybe we can change the systems that we live in in order to do that and um, so yeah so I, I went to university in my early 20s and then I went back home to live with my mom. And during that time, I went through a really difficult, like mental phase. Like I was, I went through a dark night of the soul moment. Just sort of one of the reasons why I got into that space is because I went through a lot growing up, like in childhood. And I found it really hard to find my place in the world. I was also struggling because I didn't know what I wanted to do career-wise anymore I was really interested in in politics so I thought it was really great 
but I really felt like something was missing. I just didn't get a sense that I felt totally connected. It felt like there was another thing for me to explore, but I didn't know what that looked like. So I was very lost in in the sense of my purpose, in the sense of a feeling of belonging in the world, knowing fully who I am and having an understanding of like why I do the things that I do, but also really making peace or making meaning of my trauma and the experiences that I grew up with, you know, that I that I experienced growing up. And so that led me uh, through a dark night of the soul um, and really difficult phase of my life. And I basically turned to journaling. I ended up turning to journaling in one of the darkest moments that I experienced. Sounds great now, but <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I turned to journaling and I started to reflect on what was going on inside of me. And I didn't really feel like I had a lot of safe spaces to talk about my feelings. Now that I reflect back, I know that my friends probably would have been there for me, but I just didn't feel comfortable to speak. And so I journaled a lot of my my thoughts and reflections and what was going on. And it was through that process that I started to discover a lot of things about myself. And it was a process, but it was it revealed to me another part of me. And I think it made clear a lot of the pain that I was experiencing. And so, yeah, so it, it started from journaling innocently. I had no expectations that it will heal me or I would go on this journey to become a writer and, you know, all the things that are, you know, I'm grateful are, are my reality now. I never expected that. It really came from a place of me searching for a safe space and I had to create that for myself. And then following on from that, I went to therapy. I, you know, I had a therapist and that was good. It was a good experience. I was still quite new new to this whole field. So even the idea of therapy, I was like, I wasn't sure I really wanted to do that. I was like, mm, I'm not sure. Like, I, don't, I didn't know anything about it like that. I was very new to this whole field. Um, and to be honest, I was very new, new to the idea of even prioritizing mental health. I was very externally driven. I was very focused on like outside of me. I didn't even think about what does it look like to prioritize me and, and, my, and my well-being. So I was very new to it. And yeah, so I went to therapy. And then following on from that, I had I got a life coach. And I just started to really just really do a lot of internal work, a lot of internal reflection. And of course, the work is constant and it's ongoing and it's a life journey. But yeah, it started really from that dark moment and it and and from there it birthed something else. And I felt really called to to you to use my reflections in a way to help other people. And so I started to write blog posts and put those online and then people started to resonate with them. And then I started to put my quote my quotes on Pinterest and then that like like I said innocently I was just doing it because I was like okay this is nice and then it just blew up and then I was like there's something about this that feels very authentic to me and I just followed that path and then it led me to really honor this calling to be a writer but it was not one that I expected it was just something that I I honored and allowed myself to to experience mm-hmm. and that's my journey yeah Amazing. I I resonate so deeply with so much of what you've been through. And, and I like that you kind of said, you know, going through this dark night of the soul, it sounds like this easy process, but 
um, as someone who's been in an iteration of that, it, it literally feels like life or death. It's like you're pushed up against a wall and either you are going to die kind of maybe literally, or you're going to, you're going to find a way forward. And what I love about your writing and what resonated with me when I first started to come across it was that you were speaking to the part of me that feels so highly sensitive. And I wonder what being a highly sensitive person might feel like for you. And if that's what you're kind of referring to, as you mentioned, like having the sixth sense, like what does that heightened awareness feel like? And how do you manage like being a highly sensitive person and not being, I guess, affected by the heaviness and the intensity of the world that we live in? a lot wrapped into one, but how do you feel about being a highly sensitive person uh, coming from a fellow one? Yeah. So when I came across the term, which was a few years ago, it was so validating. I finally had like a, a term, a phrase that really spoke to my experience that I've had. It was had for such a long time, well, forever, basically. And so it was extremely validating. And I suppose the way that it manifests for me is just a, a heightened sensitivity to subtleties in other people, whether it's tone, like the way that, you know, just like body language, just having a sense when people are in pain, heightened empathy as well, really sensing in sensing when people are in, yeah, like people are in pain. And I would say as well, just sensitivity when it comes to just stimulation in general. So noticing that I get very overstimulated when I'm in certain environments or I have to like manage that. So it's not like I can't be in like big, like crowded spaces I can, but mm -hmm. it's like how much of that can I, can I do? Not that much, you know? So just like just things like that, lighting as well. My sensitivity comes up in like lighting, preferring dim lights. That usually works well with me. If I have like really bright, like sort of, I don't know if you call it canteen in America, but like canteens where it's really bright. Like it's like, yes. it's just like in a hall basically. And it's so bright and it's like, no, <laughs> this is too much. So just sensitive to stuff like that, sensitive to certain like textured clothing or like, sounds and yeah so my sensitivity manifests in things like in ways like that and mm -hmm. but in terms of like in terms of just the general experience of it it's so it it can be very challenging it can be very challenging mm -hmm. to be a highly sensitive person especially in a world which doesn't accommodate us and so it's a constant process of having to validate my experience and validate the intensity of my emotions at times and also validate and be compassionate and and hold grace to myself when I do when my sensitivities do get the best of me mm -hmm. when I do find myself unable to sort of tap into my rational side and my emotions are almost overtaking me you know so it's a process but I suppose I try to draw on the beauty because one of the beauties of being a high sensitive person is one of one of the things is the fact that we get to really deeply connect with people on a soul level. There's just a deep resonance. Like we don't see just the mass that people wear, but we really see the core of who people are. I think that's so beautiful. And then another aspect of it is just seeing beauty in, in all things. Like when you see like a sunset or like if you've seen animal or you know just appreciating the little things and I find that really beautiful and I love that and 
a lot of my creativity is is in part because of my highly sensitive nature so mm-hmm. right so it becomes oh absolutely I'm like pinging as you as you say these things because I completely relate to it my sensitivity is especially noise so it's hard for me to be in cities um, when I'm overwhelmed by noise and um, so I guess the follow-up question is like, how do we create energetic boundaries when we feel everything so deeply? It sounds like your catharsis comes out through writing and that's your healing process. But is there anything else that you do for like energetic hygiene, uh, essentially to make sure that you, your energy is within you and not kind of spread around and fragmented upon, you know, other people and events. Um, I love the term being a warrior that you refer to a lot in your writing and in your book titles as well. So essentially, how do you set energetic boundaries that really serve you? Yeah, it's a really great question. I think the first thing which is key for highly sensitive people is to really accept your sensitivities. And and I think that is the foundation of everything else because once you accept your sensitive nature, you're able to organize your life in accordance to your natural disposition. And so that means that you will ensure that or make sure that you you're creating a environment which helps to accommodate and soothe your sensitivities and also you're mindful of how many things that you do take on so for example when it comes to work schedules or when it comes to like you know say meetings and things like that you'll be more mindful of like okay I know this does not work for my disposition so therefore maybe I need to spread this out over a couple of weeks as opposed to cramming it all in one day and so I think the self-acceptance piece is really important but I think alongside like journaling which I think is a, a really great tool and it really helps me when it comes to managing my sensitivities and just really getting a lot of the mantle chatter a lot of the 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 rumination which is also a HSP thing a lot of like the overstimulation on paper that really helps Another thing that really helps is going on walks. And I know it sounds simple and cliche, but it's something about being in a natural environment helps to get you in your your body and moving and be also be connected to something outside of yourself. It's like in part part of you, but like it's also outside of you. And I think that can be very grounding for HSPs quick break to let you know that the confidence mentorship is coming back for the new year. I just opened the wait list and you guys are the first to know listening to this episode. This is a 16 week one-on-one deep dive into your healing journey. We're going to be using tools like emotional freedom technique, quantum healing, CBT, and proven methods for habit change. My lifelong exploration has been marrying the science with the spirituality to give you tangible results that I've seen in my own life and I've seen with my clients. We take an approach that is very spiritually grounded but action oriented so that you can truly experience that quantum leap month to month over our 16 weeks together and really see evidence that your life is changing. So I can't wait to see you on a discovery call. If this is calling to your spirit, you can join the wait list in the description below and I'll talk to you soon. I, I think one thing that's another thing that's key for HSP is when it comes to setting energetic boundaries is to imagine yourself in a bubble, like notice, imagine yourself in like an energetic bubble. And it really helps me to remind me that like whatever comes in here whatever comes in my bubble is something that I choose 
And so just having that visualization of this bubble and just imagine that if things come towards you before you let it in, you can decide you have a decision. And so just some visualization around being in this bubble, I feel like really helps. I'm really, I, I love visualization by the way. So <laughs> yeah, so I think that really helps. I know HSPs, we, we tend to be quite creative. So hopefully you can create something that resonates with you, but just those sorts of visualizations ha help. I would also say be willing to have conversations with people that you love about what you need. And that's not always easy. I recognize how challenging that is. But actually saying, hey, I may need a little bit more time to get back to you about this before you agree to something. Or, hey, I don't have capacity to speak about X, Y, Z at the moment. It's not easy, but I guess we have to move through the discomfort in order to set those boundaries because we deserve to have boundaries. Mm, I feel like you're inside my brain speaking. I... I, yeah, I've been in these positions so much and I love that you're describing writing, getting out into nature as ways to alchemize this rumination essentially, because absolutely it can feel so, um, overwhelming sometimes to get stuck in the mind. And maybe you felt this way when you were healing from that dark night of the soul, I went through just kind of a pulling back almost from my ego to, to observe myself from a higher level. And songwriting was my pathway into writing, but getting it out on paper or into a song was like, oh, this is the, the other essence of myself overlooking my egotistical self that's caught in thought. And then there's a separation that happens and a choice that happens essentially to integrate into the higher self or to stay in the egoic cycle. Um, but writing helped me so much with that. And I think there's something about nature too, that helps us go home in a lot of ways or remember who we really are um, outside of the thinking mind so much and why I personally, maybe you do too, connect with animals so much because they're so present and they're so based in the moment and they're not overthinking everything and they bring humor in. Um, the other, what was the other thing I wanted to ask you about? Oh, so in when you were talking about your kind of beginnings and your story, you were saying you didn't have a lot of role models who were ambitious and people, you know, achieving things and moving toward achievement or making the life that they wanted to create. Um, so how did you move the needle for yourself without a lot of examples? Did you seek them out? Like, how did you start to build this life for yourself and, and really consciously create it without a lot of momentum, you know, built in? Yeah, it's so weird. I feel like I had, I've always had this inner sense that I was made to do great things in the world. And I, I, I say that lightly because there's plenty of times where I doubt myself and have doubted myself and don't always have a sense of my own power. So I do want to say that. But I remember growing up, I really did have this inner sense that there's more to life than my environment. And I almost like, followed that and and I feel like it was it's it's God the universe the divine that that was pulling me towards but I didn't know what that that was basically growing up so I guess one of the things that did help is growing up I did have a group of friends like in my school that were quite like you know academically smart or like they were very alternative thinking people and I suppose just being around that when I was younger was quite helpful in knowing that oh you do not have to succumb to the limitations in your environment you can be something else so that did help 
And I suppose I was really curious generally when it came to just looking into, you know, different like figures, like when it comes to like inspirational figures online and, you know, in books and things like that. So I, I had an awareness that there was alternative ways of living through other people's examples and the way that they live their lives so I feel like that's what really helped me but I always had an inner sense so I just tried to follow that and it served me well I think mm-hmm. you wrote something I was just looking at recently about not waiting to fall along the right path and being brave enough to forge your own path or realizing that you might have to forge your own path and it what makes me want to ask you what your human design type is do you know what your human design is I do it's so funny that you asked this because <laughs> um, I was literally talking about this today and the last few days because, okay, so my human design is now INFP. And the reason why I say INFP is because my I've done the test three times. So the first two times I've done it, it was INFJ, but now I'm an INFP and I'm confused as to why, but hmm. yeah. Maybe it shifts and changes. Well, he, so I think you're talking about personality, like Myers-Briggs or oh, something. Oh, human design. Human Sorry. design is either like projector, manifester, Manny, Jen, reflect. Do you happen to know that one? Yes, I'm so sorry. Generate. Oh my God, no. I'm glad to know both of them. I'm getting a full, <laughs> full rounded picture. <laughs> yes, I'm a generator. Uh-huh. Amazing. I love to think about these things and like how people work and, and formulate ideas. Everything kind of helps to, to put the puzzle together in so many ways. Um, I wanted to ask you more about this warrior archetype that's coming into your writing and your, and your titles more as well. Um, and what it means to you as a woman to embody this warrior archetype and, and how you uphold that identity. And if it really matters to you to live in that essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think warrior to me, it, it deeply resonates because a warrior is someone who's overcome. They've been in battle, but they've overcome it. And despite like being falling short, losing in, in some battles, being injured, being scarred, they still find the inner strength, resilience and external strength and resilience to move through and and overcome adversity and to me that really resonates because I feel like that's what life's about it's that constant process of like becoming and unbecoming and learning and relearning and it's that constant cycle of life of like you know up and down and like the pendulum swings to the left and right and then trying to find going to the middle and so to me I feel like the warrior is is a symbolic representative of that process and so it deeply resonates with me and I, I really do see myself as a warrior and I feel like it's something that women, as women, we should embody because not only do we deal with a lot of things internally and, and within our own lives and with other people, but we deal with things collectively as women. Mm-hmm. We marginalise in a patriarchal world. We have to overcome constant barriers, and so having that warrior archetype of like, despite being knocked down systemically and within, you know, because of the things that I've experienced, I can still rise. I still have the tools within me to overcome, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how long it takes to heal, no matter how long it takes to process that pain, 
even if you're spending weeks or months in recovery, it you'll still rise, you'll still you'll still overcome it. So to me, I feel like being a warrior is really important. It really deeply resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Was there one moment or maybe a few moments in particular where you felt like really to find that dark night of the soul for you, or maybe even afterwards, um, that really tested your strength where you thought, you know, I'm, I can't handle this. This is my, my identity is going to crumble under this. There's no way I'm coming out of this. Do you remember any kind of specific circumstance that really tested you? Mm -hmm. Oh, so interesting. So I've got a few that come to mind. Um, I guess I go for a few. My thought process is like I have to go from the beginning to the end or maybe skip steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just my thought process. But um, okay, so I remember when I was going for that dark night of the soul, I remember vividly like almost sliding down the wall. I was in the dark and I was crying. And I, I just had, I was, I was saying, I was having a conversation with God and I was just like, I can't do this. I literally can't do this and I remember saying to myself if I don't get better I'd rather and trigger warning I'd rather die mm-hmm. like I I'd, if I could not get better I'd because it was so painful that it's felt like I had a black like a dark cloud over me constantly I was really low for a long time and I always had this sort of inner dark, that this darkness that followed me. Like, I do believe that I do have a shadow side as well. But it, beyond that, it felt like a cloud that constantly followed my life for a long time. And I would actually identify as being quite pessimistic. So it kind of, it got to a point where it was too much to handle. I, I questioned whether I should be living. Yep. That was the most difficult moment for me, I'd say. Hmm. And did you have an understanding or an introduction to something bigger than yourself in childhood? Like, did your parents ever talk about spirit or God or, or when did you start to develop a relationship with source that started to build over time? How did you even come to the place of asking God for help or looking to something beyond you know, this embodiment to, to seek guidance in that most desperate moment? Like how had you been introduced to this at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So my mom's a self-identified Christian, but she's not, she doesn't really practice. And we, I remember going to church for a little bit when we was younger, but my mom was not super religious. My dad, on the other hand, was very curious about different, different religions, Christianity, Islam mostly Islam and also like spirituality in general Asian Egypt and um, African spirituality specifically and so I grew up in this alternative way where I had two parents who my mom was not really religious my dad had these alternative belief systems and a curiosity for different religions and spiritual systems and so I was didn't know what to believe in Mm -hmm. I almost I from a young age and I'm kind of grateful for it I was able just to forge my own path and just discover what resonates with me I never was pushed either way and so growing up I had just this deep sense of there being something beyond me I remember when I was younger I would stare at the sun to the point where like I've got these two dots in my eyes because 
I will stare at the sun like directly. Mm, how interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, and I would look, and then I would also like gaze at the like gaze at the sky, but also like I would tilt my head back and just stare at the clouds and stare at the sky. And I was like, there's something beyond this. Yeah. Now I didn't believe in like the sort of the, the the God in the sky type thing, but it was there was a sense of something beyond mm-hmm. and within as well. Because when I look at the trees, I was like, there's an essence here, there's a spirit. And so I knew that from a young age. And so growing up, like I I never like aligned with any particular spiritual religious belief I would just follow looking into different ones I'll look into Buddhism look into Hinduism look into some parts of African spirituality but most I do that mostly now um more African spiritual systems and I suppose like during that time when I was going through that dark night of the soul moment it was when I called on the divine I was like God like the most high like you know please please help me you know and I guess it was then when when that relationship changed not only to call on the most like the divine within and and outside of me when I'm in my dark phase but also in my light phases and just during my day Mm. and so I'll say that was the defining moment where my relationship with with the divine changed and I I really just really honored myself as a spiritual being I never really truly saw I I had a sense of it but I never really honored that I never really stepped in that I never really just really illuminated my spirit if that makes sense and so I started to do that after that that period of my life mm-hmm. yeah I remember that turning point as well of of starting to see prayer or any kind of conversation with spirit shift from asking and pleading and worrying of like, please help me. Like I'm struggling to gratitude and they coexist for me a lot now, but I try to remember that beautiful wisdom that you just brought in is of, of gratitude essentially, and just honoring life itself. So after you find yourself in this pit, you're calling upon source to, to lift you how does your faith begin to build from that point up so that you're able to crawl out of it essentially and you don't stay down? Like, do you remember the increments and the and the growth that took place after that turning point where you started to have your faith build and your actions maybe started to change or what did start to change after that that helped you to heal? Um, maybe writing, but anything else that came in that that really helped you lift? Mm-hmm. There was one key thing that I remember saying to myself and during that dark phase, and I, I remember saying to myself, and I do believe that, like now I do believe that it, there was essence of divine guidance there. But I said to myself, I've been depressed for so long. I know how, how I know how to be depressed. <laughs> I know it to the T. I don't know what it looks like to thrive. I don't know what it looks like to be happy. I don't know what it looks like to be at peace with myself. Have I actually given it a fair shot? Like, have I put my all into it? How can I, how can I do something different? What does that look like? I never gave myself an opportunity to explore that. And so there was some shift internally where it was like, okay, let's try something completely different and let's see how it goes. 
-hmm. so that's when there was an onset of okay now we need to do mirror work (laughs) I I would search I googled everything okay mirror work we're doing that we're writing up affirmations we're putting that on the mirror we're we're doing daily gratitude we're doing reflections I went all in like Mm -hmm. and and I suppose I wouldn't do all those things now, but it started a journey. It was a, it was a catalyst to this process that I'm in now. But I decided to do something different. I can't particularly point what was that one thing, but I guess that would be one one thing where it was just there was something that switched inside me, far inside of me, that was just like, you've just got to do something different and see how it goes. Yeah, that's so powerful. It kind of reminds me of this Louise Hay quote or something where she's saying, you know, you've been hating yourself for so long and it hasn't been working. So why would you keep going in that direction essentially? And what I love about what you're describing is like, it's an act of courage and bravery because you're stepping into the unknown. Like you hadn't known what it felt like to thrive yet. You'd only known this, this depressive state for most of your reality, it sounds like. And um, same. And so it is an act of bravery and experimentation and especially the mirror work. I, I remember reading something about in prisons, they take mirrors out of people's cells so that they can't self-actualize and they can't look themselves in the eye to lift themselves up again. A lot of the time or in the, in the, um, higher security areas. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Because anytime that I'm feeling really out of sorts, if I look myself in the eye and I tell myself, you know, Helen, you got this, take a deep breath. Let's go take a, you know, strong pose. It will change my frequency and reality. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense that that would be the buildup phase of this turning point of like, well, this isn't working. So let me go. I'll just try some things go in the other direction. Absolutely. So my last question for you, is there anything that you are studying or reading or really curious about right now in general? <laughs> yeah, I love that question. I think I'm saying that to every question, but I do love <laughs> your questions. So I'm really interested in currently, I'll be really interested in Sufism. I don't know if you've heard of it. So Islamic mysticism. So I've been watching a lot of documentaries and reading a lot about that. I find it really interesting, the spiritual system. So I'm learning more about that. Another thing that I'm really interested in is just more about neurodiversity. So curious about it, you know, just as more people are becoming aware that, you know, that that they're on the spectrum. Really look into that, seeing the things that help me because I have a sense that I might also fall on the spectrum. So I've been looking into that as well. Find that really interesting. Any books? Hmm. Oh, is there any books that I've been reading lately? Honestly, so I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm studying now to be a therapist. So a lot of my reading is coursework. So yeah, um, I guess I'm doing a lot of readings for my dissertation, a lot of young dream analysis work as mm-hmm. well. Find that really interesting. I'm doing a bit of reading on um African spirituality, specifically Ifa tradition. So a lot I'm I'm doing a lot of work mm-hmm. around I'm doing a lot of readings around philosophy and religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in that. I'm trying to see how I can integrate that into the my writings a bit more. Oh, I love that. It's interesting how it does start to kind of like 
flow through you when you kind of don't expect it or how it's going to form. I always wonder the same thing. And then I'll, I'll look back on my older content and I'll be like, wow, just because of the reading and the research I was doing, I, I speak differently. I use different words or I have different ideas that come through. Um, but can, can you give us a, a little bit of a description about what Sufism is? Because am I saying that right? Because wasn't Ru, Rumi a Sufi teacher? I I'm I remember researching about it for a minute, but I totally forget like the pillars of this. Is there? Can you give us a little tidbit about what it is? Yeah. So of course I'm not an expert at all, and I don't actually follow Sufism. But Sufism is a so it's it's basically Islam, but it's a it's more of the I mean, all of Islam is spiritual, but it's more focused on like the mysticism. So for example, they're in like Sufi Sufism, like literature, they will talk more about the soul. They will talk about like what is needed for um, self-actualization and ascension. They will talk about like the nafs that people have. So this is, it's basically just like the sort of parts of the soul like parts of the soul basically mm -hmm. similar to the way in which we kind of have like the ego the super ego the it's super ego and ego islamic is mysticism has a similar sort of like system that represents the human psyche and the soul but in just different language and you know all that stuff uh, so it's really i'll say basically it's a it's a type of islam uh, which focuses more on meditation and mysticism and more homes in on the spiritual aspect, the soul aspects of aspect of who we are. So mm. I'll say that's what it's about, but I'm still learning a lot about it. So yeah. Fascinating. Definitely. Well, that was fantastic. The The word mysticism was exactly what I was, I was looking for uh, in that it kind of reminds me of uh, shamanism and soul retrievals. And it's interesting how, like, when you really start to dive into this work, whether it's, you know, through psychology or spirituality, or even quantum physics and science, it kind of leads us all back to the same thing and this unity essence. And that's why it's so fascinating because it's, it's this never ending wealth of wisdom and knowledge that we can dive into, but it, it's ultimately leading us back into that, that flow state and that, that unity remembrance, which is really beautiful. And there's so many paths to getting there, which is wonderful, but this is why I love talking to people like you and, and digging in because I'm like, oh, we have another path, another key right in front of us. So Ash, thank you so much for, for taking the time and sharing your story with us. Um, if people want to get your book or work with you, tell us how we can get in touch with you and, and buy your books, especially. Just want to say thank you so much again as well. It's such an honor to be on your podcast and I love what you do. So, so I'm so honored. Oh, but yeah, you. in terms of where to find me, so you can find me on Instagram at ashalvis underscore. I'm also on Pinterest at alvis underscore. And you can also find me on my website, ashalvis.com. I have two books. I recently put out a warrior's, um, oh, not a warrior's minder. I recently put out highly sensitive warrior, forgetting the name of my own books, September. <laughs> so that's on Amazon. And there's also a Warriors Reminder, which I put out a few years ago, and you can get that on Amazon as well. Amazing, easy, beautiful. Well, thank you again for being here. All right, my friends, I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. Of course, we've got resources linked for you in the description below, including some freebies, which you guys are really loving working through. And if you feel like this episode really helped you heal in some way, perhaps share it with a friend who you think it would benefit. 
And that's it from me. I love you. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye for now.